At one point this year, the New York Mets were considered World Series favorites. But after selling the team for parts, they came into Baltimore and were swept out of town by the Orioles. I'll recap the series coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap an Orioles series sweep over the New York Mets this weekend, winning all three games as the O's actually were able to extend their lead in the American League East. I'll get you the five things you need to know from all three wins, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday over the weekend. Talk about performances from James McCann, Kyle Gibson, Jorge Mateo, and others. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, and we're right here on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube page. Remember, we are so, so close to 4,000 subscribers when we get there. As long as you're subscribed, you're going to be potentially entered to win a fun Orioles giveaway. So make sure to subscribe to the pod on YouTube as well. And thank you for the everydayers out there for being with us every single morning, every single day, following along with the O's in this incredible first place season. Orioles first team in the AL to 70 wins this season. And that is where we go for today's episode as the O's sweep the Mets out of Baltimore this weekend. And with, you know, the Detroit Tigers, I wasn't expecting much of them this weekend against the Rays, but Detroit did get one game out of three against Tampa. So the Orioles have extended their lead to three games as they sit atop the Rays in the AL East. The Orioles with a 10-3 win Friday, a 7-3 win Saturday, and a 2-0 win on Sunday get to 70-42 and on the season. A season-high 28 games over 500. So let's start with Friday. The five things you need to know from the Orioles' 10-3 win over the Mets to open up the series. And the first thing you need to know is James McCann certainly got his revenge on the Mets in this game. Now, as you may know, the Orioles acquired McCann from the New York Mets this offseason in a trade which was basically the Mets just trying to dump him in any way that they could. A couple years back, the Mets had signed McCann to a four-year deal after a couple of good years with the White Sox, and he really hadn't worked out. He was basically public enemy number one for Mets fans. And New York was trying to find any way to trade him this offseason. Well, the Orioles were looking for a backup catcher, and they went and got James McCann. And the Orioles basically sent a a nothing prospect over the Mets in return. And even with that, the Mets paid down most of McCann's salary. McCann, coming into this year, was due $24 million over the final two years of his contract in 2023 and 2024. And the Mets agreed to pay $19 of that 24 million, giving the Orioles basically a really solid backup catcher on a two-year $5 million deal. And McCann, finally this weekend, gets a chance to play against his old team, which is paying another team $19 million to play against him. And what did McCann do? Well, he's in the starting lineup Friday night against the lefty David Peterson, 
and he went to work. McCann, three for three with a double, a walk, and five RBIs in Friday night's game. By far his best game as an Oriole. They couldn't get him out in his four trips to the plate. He had a big two-run double off the wall. He had a big two-RBI single in the fourth inning to put the Orioles on the board. He even stole third base in this game. In the sixth inning as well, had three hard-hit balls, was just crushing it. His first five RBI game since 2021 when he was with the Mets. It was an incredible scene for McCann. He was the post-game interview on Masson after the win. And, of course, they asked him about, you know, did this feel extra good coming against the Mets? And he said it did, but didn't go too far into it. But, actually, James's wife tweeted after the game that, uh, yeah, this did feel good for James. The entire McCann family getting his revenge on a team that is paying the Orioles $19 million to get five RBIs against him. I will certainly take that. Second thing you need to know from Friday's win is that Jordan Westberg hit a long, long home run in this one. His first career homer in Philly, not that it was a wall scraper, but it certainly you know, wasn't a tape measure shot. Well, this one that put the game away in the seventh inning on Friday certainly was. Westberg comes up, hits a three-run homer that would put the Orioles up 9-2 at the time, hit it 107.8 miles per hour off the bat, 424 feet. It traveled to dead center field to kind of put the game away. Just got a high fastball and demolished it out to dead center. That's the Jordan Westberg we saw a lot of the time in AAA Norfolk when he was mashing homer after homer. Haven't exactly seen that version of Westberg since he came up, but truly, he's been really, really good since the Orioles brought him up. And while Colton Kowser has definitely struggled at the plate for the Orioles, Westberg went through a little rough stretch, but overall, I mean, a 274 average and a 772 OPS for Jordan Westberg. I'll take that all day from the rookie. Third thing you need to know from this one on Friday is that the offense really exploded late in this game. Mentioned the Westberg homer, mentioned the McCann double. Those were all parts of back-to-back four-run innings for the Orioles. After the Mets had tied the game at two in the top of the sixth, the Orioles got four in the bottom of the sixth and four in the bottom of the seventh to just completely put this game away. In the sixth inning, the Orioles took the lead back after Austin Hayes struck out, a Jordan Westberg walk, a Ryan O'Hearn single, a Ramon Arias single gave the Orioles a 3-2 lead, then James McCann doubled off the big wall in left, scoring two to make it 5-2, and an Adley Rutschman sack fly made it a 6-2 game. Then they came right back out there, Gunnar Henderson with a double, Austin Hayes with a single, Jordan Westberg with a bomb, they ended up getting a walk from Kowser, single from Arias, and who else, James McCann drove in another run with an RBI single, and all of a sudden it went from 2-2 two to two in the bottom of the 6th to 10-2 to two in the bottom of the 7th, just like that. It shows how dangerous this Orioles offense can be when they are clicking on all cylinders, and they had everybody in on it, every single player who appeared in this game, all 10 players, reached base at least once in this one. Gunnar Henderson had a couple of doubles. Jordan Westberg was big in this one with the home run. He had two hits and two walks as well. Talked about James McCann. Ramona Rios went two for four in this game. Everybody contributed to this offensive explosion. 10 runs on 12 hits for the Orioles against kind of a quasi-bullpen game for the Mets. I mean, Reed Garrett, the former Oriole, gave up four earned runs in two-thirds of an inning. He was the one who kind of got hit around in the seventh. The O's just went to work on Mets pitching. Fourth thing you need to know from the Friday 10-3 win as we switch it over to Orioles pitching is that 
Dean Kramer was great for a while, and then he just completely fell apart. Kramer was rolling through five innings of this game. Five scoreless innings, only a couple of hits allowed. His pitch count was in the mid-60s. The Orioles had gotten two runs in the fourth on the McCann 2-RBI single to give him a lead, and he was just rolling along. And then the sixth inning came along. You know, he was looking like he was going to get through at least seven. The pitch count was down, and he just completely lost it in that sixth inning. He strikes out Mark Vientos to open the inning and then just lost everything. Walks Ortega, the nine batter, walks Brandon Nimmo, and then walks Francisco Alvarez as he walks the bases loaded. And then through a solid changeup to Francisco Lindor, which actually broke down and away out of the zone, but Lindor just poked it into right center field for a two-run single. He's a great hitter. He does that to tie the game at two. And that was it. I mean, Kramer just cruising through five and a third. Like, pitch count around 60-something and just walk three batters in a row. Like, I, I couldn't understand what happened. If it was something mechanical, he just lost it. But he really completely lost it. His final line, two runs on two hits over five and a third innings. He strikes out four. He walks four. No home runs, only four hit ball, four hard hit balls, and only 87 pitches for Kramer. But it was the right move by Hyde. You know, he had to get Kramer out of that game in the sixth inning because he just he couldn't throw a strike anymore. And it, it was tough to watch at that point. They got him out at the right time. And yeah, his stuff wasn't incredible. I mean, he only had six whiffs on 38 swings, only the four strikeouts. But he was cruising along, and then he wasn't. Hopefully just something weird mechanically that he can easily fix there in that sixth inning. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the 10-3 win on Friday is that the reason that that sixth inning didn't get more out of hand and the Mets only got those two runs to tie the game was because of Mike Bauman. Bauman came in with runners on first and third and one out, facing Pete Alonzo, maybe the most dangerous hitter in the Mets lineup, and he gets Alonzo to bounce into a 5-4-3 double play to end the inning, keep the game tied. Bauman goes back out there, gets a 1-2-3 Top of the seventh inning as well. After the Orioles put up four, he gets the shutdown inning. Bauman recorded five outs and threw just 10 pitches. It was pretty miraculous what he did on Friday night. And then the rest of the pen did well too. Cole Irvin gave up an unearned run in the eighth. And then Shintaro Fujinami closed it out with a scoreless ninth. Kind of a nice pick-me-up outing for Fujinami in a low leverage spot after he had you know, hit all the batters in his last outing in Toronto during the week. And he closed out a 10-3 win for the Orioles as they took game one of the series. So then they moved on to night two. A special night at the ballpark. 40th anniversary of the last World Series team for the Orioles. Bobblehead night. Sold out crowd. Going for the series win. And the O's showed out for everyone. Including myself, who was at the ballpark on Saturday night. And coming up next, we'll recap the Orioles' 7-3 win over the Mets in game two. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Dave. Dave is the banking app that's leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. It's part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest and then settle up later. Extra cash gives you more money to buy groceries, fill your tank, finally get your car repaired, or catch up on bills without having to wait for your next paycheck. You can even build credit while you settle up on time. And millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to make their finances easier. So if you're in a pinch, get the help you need by downloading Dave. So download Dave today at dave.com MLB. 
That's dave.com slash MLB. You could get up to $500 in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. Download the Dave app now or go to dave.com slash MLB. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. Banking services provided by Evolve, member FDIC. So the Orioles were able to sweep the Mets over the weekend. It all started with a W on Friday night by a score of 10 to 3. And then we go to Saturday, which was the most special night of the three over the weekend for the Orioles. It was the 40th anniversary celebration of the Orioles' last championship, their 1983 World Series team. Over 20 members of that team were at the ballpark being honored before the game. It was an Eddie Murray bobblehead night. It was basically a sellout. Almost 45,000 people packed the yard, including myself, on Saturday night. And the Orioles came away with a 7-3 to victory. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from Saturday's 7-3 to win. And the first thing you need to know is Kyle Gibson was awesome once again in this one for the Orioles. Gibson goes seven strong innings, allowing just three runs on four hits. He struck out nine, walked one, and gave up just one home run on 98 pitches. The Mets hit him hard a few times, but only seven hard hit balls in seven innings for Kyle Gibson. And he lowered his ERA to 4.50 on the season, which is basically a quality start every time you go out there. That is 4.50. Gibson, you know, he gave up the two-run homer to Jeff McNeil in the fourth. His defense let him down a little bit for the run he allowed in the sixth. But otherwise, he was awesome in this game. It was just what the doctor ordered. 17 whiffs for Kyle Gibson on 41 swings. And his changeup on Saturday night. I'm ready to say this. Gibson's changeup on Saturday in terms of just one start performances was the best pitch in a single start I've seen from any Orioles starting pitcher this year. Now, there's been a couple of starts where Kyle Bradish's slider has been almost as good. But Gibson's changeup was simply unbelievable on Saturday night. He threw 22 changeups, which was his most used pitch. Shows you, you know, he was mixing all the pitches. You know, 22 of 98 is your most used. 15 swings on the changeup, 11 swings and misses, two foul balls, and only two balls in play. Those two balls in play were hit 80 and 83 miles per hour off the bat. Two pretty softly hit balls, 11 whiffs on one pitch. He had 17 whiffs altogether, got four more on the sweeper, one on the cutter, one on the sinker. But that changeup, I mean, it looked like like the Grayson Rodriguez changeup when it's on. Like it looked like the old Cole Saucer changeup when it's on, when he was good with the Orioles. That thing was falling off the table like crazy. Righties, lefties, it didn't matter in the Mets lineup on Saturday. He was dealing. And this kind of continued a trend for Kyle Gibson. And yeah, he's had a couple of rough patches this year. Don't get me wrong. That's why his ERA is 4.5. But you can't argue that he hasn't done exactly what the Orioles have brought him in here to do. He's eaten plenty of innings on the season for the Orioles. Average to above average innings. He leads all Orioles starting pitchers in war this season because he's eaten those innings and has been solid. And in his last four starts, he's been better than solid. Gibson has been dominant lately for the Orioles. In Kyle Gibson's four starts since the All-Star break, in 25 innings of work, he has allowed just basically nothing. I mean, when you look at what he's done, it's a 3.2 ERA in the 25 innings. He's allowed only 19 hits. 
He struck out 25 batters and walked just five. He's got a 61% ground ball rate, which is close to like Yenye Cano levels. And he's allowed just one barrel in four starts by opposing hitters. He has been on the money these last four starts. All of them have been quality starts. All have gone at least six innings. Yeah, I don't know, you know, what the future holds for Kyle Gibson. And, you know, is he really the ace of the staff? I don't know. But Kyle Gibson, unless something really falls apart in the last two months of the year, and granted, he did fall apart in September for the Phillies last year and basically was barely a part of their postseason pitching staff. But right now, especially if the Orioles are in a three-game wildcard series, if they end up in one of those, don't win the division, I'm probably starting Kyle Gibson game one. Like, I think that's the guy I want to set the tone. I don't know if he's the best Orioles starter. I still think Bradish is better, and Grayson probably is better. But I'm giving him the ball game one right now, I think. Because he sets the tone. He pitches deep into games. He knows how to pitch. He mixes his pitches. It is so fun to watch him when he's on because he doesn't have the overpowering stuff. But that changeup was unbelievable from him on Saturday night. Second thing you need to know from the 7-3 win for the O's over the Mets on Saturday is that Gunnar Henderson certainly got the party started in this one. After Kyle Gibson had set the Mets down 1-2-3 with a couple of strikeouts in the top of the first inning, Orioles came out there with Adley Rutschman leading things off. He ended up singling, and then here comes Gunnar Henderson. And on a 3-2 pitch, Henderson deposits a baseball into right center field, just a couple of seats over from where I was sitting. A guy caught a two-run homer for Henderson 107 off the bat, traveled 422 feet to give the Orioles a 2-0 lead in this one. Just set the tone off of Tyler McGill, who was just called up from AAA to make this start for the Mets, essentially in Justin Verlander's rotation spot after they traded him. Certainly set the tone in this game, crushing one. And it was Gunner's only hit. He was one for four with a homer and a walk. But he deserved better than the one hit. Gunner had four hard hit balls in this game. And most certainly should at least had two or three more hits. Had a 98 mile per hour ground out, a 97 mile per hour ground out, and a 103 mile per hour fly out off the bat. He was swinging it well. He was hitting the ball hard. Man, he's fun to watch. I mean, he is just fun to watch. And he's got to be the front runner for AL Rookie of the Year right now. I mean, unfortunately, Josh Young of the Rangers went down with a fractured thumb on Sunday. Gunner's in an 817 OPS at this point. I'd, I'd, I'd call him the betting favorite at the moment. Third thing you need to know from Saturday's win is that it wasn't just Gunner, right? I mean, everybody got in on the offensive attack for the Orioles. All nine starters had at least one hit in this game as the Orioles compiled seven runs on 12 hits. Adley Rutschman, a single and a double and an RBI, mentioned Gunner's home run. Santander went two for five with a double and a homer. He absolutely demolished a 3-0 pitch into the flag court in the sixth inning that put the Orioles up 6-2 to two at that time. The Santander homer, I mean, my goodness, that thing, excuse me, that was the fifth inning, but that thing was 108 off the bat. He demolished that baseball. He was a huge part of the offensive attack. Ryan O'Hearn, a 2-for-4 with a couple of singles and an RBI. Mountcastle, 1-for-3 with a single and a walk. Westberg, 1-for-4 with a double. Colton Kowser, 1-for-3 with a single and a walk. Ramon Arias, 1-for-4 with a double and an RBI. And even Ryan McKenna was 1-for-4 with a double and an RBI. And honestly, could have had two more extra base hits. He was robbed of a double by Marte early in the game and then was robbed of a homer by Starling Marte in right field later in the game as well. Everybody contributed 
to that Orioles offensive performance on Saturday, really just like they did on Friday. Fourth thing you need to know from Saturday's win is that we saw a Ryan McKenna, Jorge Mateo, Colton Kowser outfield defensively for the last two innings. Not something I really would have thought would have happened. But Anthony Santander was DHing. Ryan O'Hearn got the start in right field with McKenna in center and Kowser in left. Austin Hayes a little bit banged up right now, Brandon Hyde said. So he gave him the day off Saturday. And he didn't play Sunday, but Hyde said he was available off the bench. I would expect him back in the lineup on Tuesday against Houston. But that meant for an O'Hearn, McKenna, and Kowser outfield. And if you don't have Hayes available, you want to get O'Hearn out of the game, right? Late, especially in a close game. He's not a great right fielder, but you don't really have Hayes out there. And of course, Mullins and Hicks still on the injured list, although Cedric Mullins did participate in two rehab games in Bowie this weekend. Had a hit, robbed a homer in center field on Saturday, looking pretty healthy out there, hoping he's back soon. And the Orioles had been working out Jorge Mateo in center field, but in the eighth inning, all of a sudden, there goes Mateo. Defensive replacement goes to center field. It moved McKenna over to right. Now, Mateo didn't get a chance to play a ball out there in center field, but he looked okay out there. Remember, he did it plenty of times with the Padres before they DFA'd him. He played a lot of outfield. And then Colton Kowser in left field made a couple of great plays. Threw a runner out at second, trying to stretch a single into a double. Made a nice catch in the ninth inning and throw into third base. Also had a hit. It was an outfield I never thought we'd really see for the Orioles this year, but it worked out in a win. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from Saturday's 7-3 win is that the atmosphere was just awesome at Camden Yards. I mean, they opened the gates early at 5 o'clock. It's the Eddie Murray bobblehead. I walked in at 5.45 and the bobbleheads were gone. So well done, Orioles fans. I was hearing stories about you know, the line starting at like 3.30 for gates opening at 5 to get those bobbleheads. The fans stayed. There was not many open seats at all. Again, almost 45,000 were there. The pregame ceremony was awesome with more than 20 guys from the 83 World Series team there. The cheers they got were great. You can tell this city loves Eddie Murray pretty much more than anyone else. The Eddie chants were awesome. And then for the team to just deliver for the fans and not the easiest win in the world, but to kind of pull away and win that game over the Mets to win the series. I mean, it was just awesome to be in the park. You can tell this is a first place team. They're celebrating a lot. Baseball is back in Baltimore. It is just an amazing feeling. And they got that series win on Saturday. But the O's were still fighting for more going into Sunday. Yes, the series wins are great. You want to stack series wins. But when you're playing a team in the Mets that just traded away half its team at the deadline last week and honestly looks like it's actively tanking at this point, well, you do want to go for the sweep. And that is what the O's did with a 2-0 win on Sunday. So coming up next, we'll finish off the pod by recapping the Sunday win as the O's got the brooms out against Buck Showalter DJ Stewart, and the New York Mets. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your life, so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. And for me, I've benefited from therapy throughout my life. You know, my experience has been great helping me through some tough times for me, and it can truly help you as well. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnMLB to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnMLB. So the Orioles won those first two games of the series against the Mets, 10-3 on Friday, 7-3 on Saturday. And they were going for the sweep, and they got the sweep on Sunday with a 2-0 victory. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from Sunday's win here to finish out the pod. And the first thing you need to know is Jorge Mateo, after playing the final two innings in center field on Saturday, made his first start with the Orioles in center field on Sunday. Mateo started in center. Now, he didn't, I don't think, made a put out at all. Like, I don't think there was a play to Mateo in this game. However, he did impact the game with his bat, was hitting ninth in the order with the lefty Jose Quintana on the mound for the Mets, and he delivered the biggest hit of the day for the Orioles. Coming up with one out, he laced a ball to center field in the fifth inning. Rafael Ortega, the center fielder, misjudged it just a bit, had a bad dive, it skips by him, and Jorge Mateo coasts in with a one-out triple. Adley Rutschman, the next batter, hit a hard hit, one hopper to third base, Jorge Mateo was headed home on the contact play, and Mark Vientos at third bobbled it just enough to have to get the out at first, allowing Mateo to score and put the Orioles up 1-0, break that scoreless tie in the fifth inning. Now, that was Mateo's only hit, but it was a big one, and he did come out later in the game for a pinch hitter, and it was Ryan McKenna who finished the game defensively in center field for the O's, but... It's nice to know he can do it out there, and the Orioles trust him to play center, especially with Mullins and Hicks still out. McKenna's bat not exactly there, and the Orioles, I don't think, truly, fully trust Colton Kowser defensively, at least in center field. So it's nice to have the option. And I just do feel like, as they start moving around more, they still play him against lefties. We will see. The true test will be what the roster moves are once Hicks and Mullins are back. But I truly do think, I mean, even though I said last week and declared it was time to DFA Jorge Mateo, that's what I would like to see happen. But I truly do think the O's are going to hold him for the rest of the season just because of the speed and defense factor. Second thing you need to know from Sunday's game is that Kyle Bradish put up zeros. But uh, he lost the command and, and looked a little bit tired in this start. Bradish's final line, four and two-thirds innings. No runs on three hits. He struck out five, but he walked five batters through 87 pitches. And he allowed just four hard-hit balls to lower his ERA to 3.19 on the season. But he just wasn't finishing some of his pitches. The five walks was concerning. And he did leave with the bases loaded and two outs in that fifth inning. Could not even finish the fifth. I'm not nearly as worried as I was after watching some Tyler Wells starts. But I will say, you know, Dean Kramer seems to have hit a wall in his last two starts. And Kyle Bradish definitely hit a little bit of a wall at times in this start. Wells is already in double A, and, you know, he threw three and a third solid innings in his start on Saturday. The velocity looked solid when he was down in Bowie, but I am, you know, low levels of concern about currently Bradish and Kramer and their ability to, to finish off this season because he did look a little tired on Sunday. Hopefully he'll bounce back in his next start. But it wasn't like the dominance stuff-wise, and it also just wasn't the amount of strikes that he's thrown throughout this year. So just something to monitor as Bradish moves forward after he, of course, did pitch very, very well in his last start in Toronto last week. Third thing you need to know from this one is that the reason why Kyle Bradish did not allow an earned run is because CNL Perez came out of the bullpen and picked him up. Perez got four huge outs 
in this game for the Orioles. He came in with the bases loaded and two outs in a 0-0 game facing our old friend, DJ Stewart, who for some reason was hitting fourth in the Mets order on Sunday. I couldn't believe it. Perez did th throw two balls, but then got Stewart to ground out to second on a good sinker to leave the bases loaded. Then Perez came in right back out there in the sixth inning. He did walk a batter, but otherwise got himself out of the inning to keep the Orioles ahead 1-0 at that time. Huge for Perez, and shout out to Jacob Calvin Meyer of the Baltimore Sun for tweeting this out. Ciano Perez, over his last 13 appearances, has been much, much closer to the 2022 version of CNL Perez. 13 and a third innings in his last 13 appearances, just three runs allowed. That's a 2.03 ERA on six hits. 13 strikeouts in that stretch, getting many more swings and misses than he had been lately. The eight walks in the last 13 appearances, still a little concerning, but more missing bats, less hits, less hard contact, more ground balls, more strikes in general, at least by a little bit. Perez is at least holding on to that spot and could be helping the Orioles' bullpen down the stretch. Fourth thing you need to know from Sunday's 2-0 win as we stick in the bullpen, the Orioles went to Cole Irvin in a high-leverage spot on Sunday. After he had pitched one inning in relief when it was 10-2 on Friday, Irvin came back out there. The Orioles leading just 1-0 in the top of the seventh. A few lefties due up for the Mets. It was the nine-hole in Ortega, then McNeil the lefty, and then the switch hitter Lindor. And most certainly, Brandon Hyde was going to go to the bullpen again if it got to the fourth batter of the inning, who was the power-hitting righty Pete Alonso. But I said it on Twitter at Locked on Orioles during the game. I was like, you know, Cole Irvin, high leverage, one nothing game in the seventh, all right. But I did say, you know, if Irvin's going to continue to have a bullpen spot, and he's probably going to be there to spell some of the starters, probably make a spot starter two down the stretch. But if he's going to be in this bullpen... There's not always going to be times to consistently get him in in long relief spots or blowout games. So you got to pitch him in some games. And it would be nice if you knew that he could get some high leverage outs at times. So you wouldn't have to, you know, only use him in blowouts and you could maybe go to him in some key spots. And what did he do? One, two, three in that seventh inning on 12 pitches with a strikeout. He was just pounding the strike zone. The fastball was at 94. He was blowing it by guys, got a couple of whiffs, threw a good curveball to strike out Ortega to start off the inning. I liked what I saw from Cole Irvin in the short relief role on Sunday, so maybe something to monitor with his workload moving forward. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 2-0 win Sunday that wrapped up the sweep is that the Fuji-Felix combination at the end of the game told me that's the 8th and ninth inning guys right now. Yenier Cano will still get chances. He put up a 0 to finish off the game with a 4-run lead in the ninth on Saturday. But Shintaro Fujinami was amazing. That was maybe the best outing I've seen from any Orioles pitcher this season. He was one pitch away from an immaculate inning. He had thrown 8 strikes. He was 0-2 with 2 strikes on Omar Narvaez. And Narvaez just popped one up on an 0-2 fastball that was caught by Henderson at shortstop. Nine pitches, nine strikes, two strikeouts for Fujinami in a 1-2-3 inning. He was pitching like a bullpen ace, to be honest with you. He got four whiffs on seven swings. He threw six fastballs of his nine pitches. All six were over 100 miles per hour, including the pitch he struck out DJ Stewart with was 100.2 or 102.6, I should say, miles per hour. Blew it by DJ Stewart for a strikeout. 
That was incredible from Fuji. And then, oh yeah, you got Felix Bautista coming in, who hadn't pitched since Monday, because the O's had been winning so many games by a lot. Bautista comes in, gives up the leadoff double, but settles down, gets a strikeout, puts up a scoreless ninth, gets the save, and the Orioles win the game 2-0 and take in the sweep. And that was big for the Orioles' bullpen to get what they got from Perez, from Irvin, from Fuji, from Felix. Because the Orioles' bullpen, in their last 10 games, that accompanies the Yankees series winning 2 out of 3, the Blue Jays series winning 3 out of 4, and this Mets series with the sweep. The Orioles are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. A big reason why is the bullpen. The Orioles' bullpen over the last 10 games, 30 innings, just 6 earned runs allowed. That is a 1.80 bullpen ERA. They've allowed just 21 hits while striking out 37 batters, walking only 11, and allowing only 2 home runs in their last 10 games. And you're thinking, oh, okay, that's great, but they probably threw Felix a lot, right? Felix Bautista only pitched in 3 of those 10 games. Three of 10. Seven of those 10 was without Felix, the best reliever in baseball, the guy who has made the Orioles' bullpen stats look so much better by himself this year. The pen is rounding into form. Bauman was good. Perez was good. Irvin was good. Fuji was good this weekend. Cano looked a little bit better. You were getting contributions from everybody out of the pen. Danny Coulomb threw a nice zero up there on Saturday night. I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. The bullpen, I think right now, is clicking better than it has all year. And that's why the O's are surging ahead in the AL East. And you know what? It's not only the pen. The O's have the opposite of the Sunday scaries right now. Sunday was their 12th consecutive Sunday victory. That is the longest streak in Orioles history in terms of Sunday wins. They are 15-4 and four on Sunday this year. That's after Sunday was kind of an issue last year. The Orioles went 11-16 and 16 on Sunday games last season. 15-4. and four. Sunday's always important. A lot of the time, Sunday is your rubber match, is the way you win a series. And when you're winning on Sundays, it's probably a good sign that you're winning a lot of series. That's what the Orioles are doing. They're 70-42. and 42. They're three games up in the AL East. And things are feeling good in Baltimore. And the Orioles... They get rewarded with a day off here on Monday. So because of that, for tomorrow's episode, we're going to open up the mailbag. So make sure to you get your mailbag questions in. You can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com with your mailbag questions. You can tweet us at LockedOnOrioles or DM the account. The DMs are open. Or you can leave a mailbag question right here in the YouTube comments of this video. And I will get to some of those questions on tomorrow's mailbag episode. But until then... I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.